Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back, Winning Plays Podcast. Brian Robb, Rich Levine, P-Rob, it is the last day of September. Stop. Stop right there. Don't lie on I know this it's podcast. Like, I know it's cliche to, to, to freak out about where the time is going, but that was the quickest September in memory. In this case, it's not too bad because in this case, the next month, October, is the return of the NBA. We are less than a month. From uh, October 20th, Madison Square Garden, Celtics at Knicks. And I think next week, so the preseason starts next week. Is that right? First week in Mon- October? Monday night, TD Garden, like- Orlando wow. Magic. Real strong start to the schedule. Um, a lot yeah, of young I was guys. going to say Evan Fournier revenge game. We don't even have that. Is there any, <laughs> is there any Orlando, is there anything that you can, that you guys can drum up? Yeah. Some, like, some side Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner revenge game. Mel Wagner revenge game. That's it. That's preseason. That, that's preseason one <laughs> kind of narrative right there, and I love it. And I think so. Next week, if we don't have to have a special podcast about Mel Wagner, we're going to do a couple uh, preseason episodes. That should be fun. And uh, until then, let's th- let's talk about media day. Let's talk about the beginning of training camp. Let us get let's get ready for the first month of the NBA season. Indeed. So it was a very. I mean. It's weird just to be back in the building, Rich, for, again, this is the first time we've had access to the Auerbach Center, the practice facility since, what, 18 months, literally here. So we've actually been able to see some of practice. We've been able to talk to guys one-on-one for the first time this week. And so that has been um, just, it's. I think it's honestly like, I think people are actually happy. A lot of guys are just happy to talk. Like some guys actually want to like shake my hand and stuff like that, um, which nice. you would net. Um, Josh Richardson, like, I hope you didn't shake. Yeah, right. Head. No, no, Josh, no, we were waiting right. on that one. <laughs> but I'd say if you look at just this week as a whole, I think one of my first main takeaways, um, and this came yesterday, was Jalen Brown kind of coming out on the offensive about the. I don't really think this is a real narrative, at least not among us, but among some people of whether him and you know Tatum can collaborate or play well together on the court. Or do they get do they get together or, well enough? Or if they like each other, if they, they like, like each other, other exactly. Yeah. And so he he kind of came out swinging about this yesterday. I don't know if like he read a, an old tweet or an article. Like there really hasn't been much of this narrative, I think, recently. But something about this ticked him off over the summer or even into last season, and he was coming out saying like they have a great respect for each other. Their relationship is growing. 
But he and... didn't say they were best friends. That <laughs> means there's problems, Brian. <laughs> so no, exactly. Yeah, That's... no. I mean, but that is, is this a real, I mean, is this a real narrative or is this just, I mean, if it, it gets them fired up all the better, like whatever, whatever it takes, but it was, it was fascinating to see real? that coming up. Yeah, I don't that's know. Fair. What, what's the, what's the, the percentage of real narratives in this world? I think, I mean, it is very possible. Two things can be true. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can not be best friends off the court and they can work very well together on the court. And, and, and I think the biggest word that Jalen said is respect, right? It's a, it's right. a, it's a relationship founded and built on respect. As long as you get respect for each other and you just happen to be two of the greatest basketball players in the world, um, I think that's a pretty good combo. So yeah, I, that's not something. That's not a narrative I necessarily I necessarily worry about, right? Like uh, it's it's, the, it's we talk about Belichick Brady. I think a few people are talking about that this week uh, in Boston. That again is a, is a relationship that where two guys were not very friendly but happen to have some success together. Maybe it's a little bit different when it's two players, but people can put some differences aside, even if there are differences. Let's just assume may maybe that, that, that they are not uh, two peas in the pod. Even if that's the case, when they're on the court together, I have never seen anything that would suggest that they, that they can't coexist. Thrive, let's say. Not even coexist, that they can't thrive together. And I think the biggest part of that is, yeah, people look at last year, they were 500 last year. Their problem last year was not, Tatum and Brown playing together their problem was like pretty much the rest of the team and I think again a lot of what was done this offseason was trying to reconfigure that now if things don't look great again this year then you know not that you that's even the next place you look at it but then you know that might be a a bigger topic as you look for like two or three years on loan as other you know superstar names potentially become available but for now it's like hey you got these two guys contract for the next three or four years find pieces together around them that make more space for them particularly offensively that takes some pressure off them defensively and now we see what the success they found over their first couple years of the career together when they were you know superseding expectations that's obviously the spot where they want to get back to here and i think the, the kind of we'll see what the supporting ass looks like but i think it's it's set up kind of nicely for them to have a year like that certainly better and, and you said that you, you said that their problem last year was not Jalen and Tatum playing together it really was them not playing together it was the fact right. that, J that Jason was struggling with COVID that Jalen was out with his wrist for the playoffs I mean those are all big factors and again I don't if if this season does not go as planned I think that we will be able to do many podcasts detailing the problems before we get the relationship between Jason and Jalen and I'm glad like you know, it's like one of those things, like maybe by Jalen coming out like that, he can nip it in the bud and there won't be those questions. Or maybe it becomes more of a narrative now. Maybe people want to ask more questions about it. But as long as they don't care, as long as maybe he's just getting this off his chest and now he can focus on everything else, I am not too worried about those two guys being the problem for the Celtics team. Um, but what is, like, what, what do you say? We've Because we've, we, we've had a very optimistic offseason, right? They've made a lot of moves. They've given us a lot of reasons to say, hey, this year things will be better than the last. But give me the reason it might not be. If it's not the relationship between the Jays, what is going to, if there's, if something brings the Celtics down this year, what is it? I think it is, I mean, it could be a variety of things. I think shooting number one offensively will be it on the perimeter. They brought in a lot of guys that can handle the ball. They did not bring in a lot of reliable shooters. Um, 
shout out to Garrison Matthews, who just got that, you know, 20th man into camp. I think his, the odds of him or another, um, you know, shooter making the roster, I think are high. Cause you're, I think you're going to need that when nights, when Schroeder or Richardson or smart or whoever is getting all the open threes they want and, and, and missing them. And is so ha- is Hauser going to make the team? Is he? Yeah. Hauser is there. Yeah. So he's on two way. So I think he's locked in. So you um, think there's room for both like a Matthews and a Hauser on the I final so. 15? I think so. I mean, there's, there's a couple guys. They, there's going to be a lot of competition for that 15 spot. I mean, Jabari Parker is obviously in the mix there, but we'll see if they don't feel good about how, you know, the, the veterans, the, the more experienced guys are shooting in camp that have the question marks. I think that's where you have a, a shooting specialist tour at the end of your bench. So just to have that option at the end of games, because even last year, I feel like, who was the reliable shooter on the bench that there was no one there was no, I mean, right. was, you want Neesmith to be that guy, but he wasn't that guy yet as a rookie. It's Pritchard, you know, was just a full guy in the rotation. Like he was, they were already asking, I think almost too much of him at times. They were leaning on him heavily because he was the guy they could count on there. So if they can have a couple more of those guys that aren't really in the rotation, but I think are options to, to mix in when they, they need it, when it, they're in a shootout or just want to, you know, maximize floor spacing. Um, that's the thing. And again, Al, Al Horford figures into that too. Um, there was a lot of Al Horford hype today at Camp Ridge. I mean, he, even, he even threw out a uh, best shape of his career. Best shape uh, of his career, 35 years old, uh, rejuvenated. Ime Udoka brought up the fountain of youth, um, making a strong case for the starting five. I saw not just a case, a strong case. A strong case. Five. So, I mean, for you, Horford, Rob Williams, front line. Is that enough shooting in offense when you have smart at point guard too? Is that going to work? I mean, it really, it depends on Al Horford. It's like, I think that like, if he's playing the four, right. If that, if that's, if that's the plan with him in that starting spot, like he's got to, he's got to shoot 40% from three. I was looking at his his career high was the the 18, 17, 18 season. I think he shot like 42.9%. Yeah. Um, because you talk about like guys having to maybe rely on Hauser or Matthews down the end of the bench, you're going to need Al Richardson, Pritchard, or Neesmith. I would say like at least two, maybe three of those four guys to bring it most nights to both have to all four of them, three, four of them have very solid shooting seasons and because they're going to get open shots, right? That's the one thing we know. So for me, like if Al Horford can consistently hit three pointers, you disappeared. I lost you. There you go. <laughs> he consistently uh, hit three pointers. That's he's he will he you need him to start in that case, right? And and the other thing I'm I'm interested to in seeing is is how they what they do with with Rob's minutes to start this year because I thought that was another thing that that Eme kind of hinted at is they might slow play his minutes again to start the year and really make sure that he can work his way up, his get his body in shape to to guy that maybe plays 25 30 minutes a game every night yeah i mean the question there is do they know i mean even that's true could could al start the five and you bring rob off the bench could that ever happen just and i get to to protect those minutes that's that's what i wonder in terms of bouncing those lineups and then what do you do there is that is tatum your four yeah tatum's your four richardson's your two two. and then you, you play small you're very switchable with that lineup you have more shooting out there, assuming that Richardson's a better shooter than Al, which may not be the case. But I think that's a situation where 
that's a lamp against a lot of teams, against teams that play super small that you have to think about going with. Because I'm not sure Al and Rob playing together is going to work well against yeah, those kind of teams. And you take that five, and, and again, you're, you're assuming that Al is going to shoot better. You're assuming that Richards isn't going to shoot better than he has the last four years. Um, but like in a, in a starting lineup with Marcus Smart is your fifth best three-point shooter. Like that's you can you can live with that. Like that's that's, that's dangerous, right? It is. And if you could, if 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 his shot selection is where you want it to be, then that works out very well because he can you know hit those wide open shots at a you know 39 clip. And so those if that's your the the guy that teams are going to help off of the most, and he is going to pick his spots there, then that's going to be a pretty good spot for this team to be. If it's if he's your third or fourth best three point year, then that's where we ran into problems like we saw last year. And has there been much talk like about him really rolling with this the point guard identity now, where he really is the you know not a guy who will play some poor point guard over the course of the season, but right now he is the starting point guard uh, for the Boston Celtics. And do we think that that mentality could help Marcus's shot selection even more if you can really? Roll with that with that title. I certainly think so. I mean, for him, he's he's talked about it, just embracing it and saying, "This is this is what I was naturally in my career." And we've seen the team consider giving the keys to him at this position at many spots, but it's never fully happened over, like especially heading into a training camp. Whether it's been Isaiah, obviously Kyrie, Kemba, etc. So now you you have it where okay, Marcus, you are starting here. We have some help for you and Dennis Schroeder and Richardson's going to be another guy who's going to handle the ball. I feel like a lot, but smart, fully embracing saying, okay, I am this guy. I'm also have been paid. So I don't have to worry about like putting up numbers just to put them up. And so, and to make sure I get my payday down the road. Now he can fully, not that he wasn't all about the team in the first place, but I think maybe that just takes a little bit less of the onus off of him being like, okay, I need to at least get to 10 points a game or whatever. Just so, you know, I don't look like I'm putting up a nothing on offense. Beer, I'm talking about putting up something and get something, get something very nice in return. I want to say, listen up, sports betters. This is the Winning Play pod, Plays podcast here to tell you about our favorite sports book that is BetUS. Uh, football is back. It's time to get in on the action. We only endorse one sports book that is BetUS.com. If you're asking why, that's because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, all kinds of crazy bets. And they will talk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives you bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, check out the offers, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at uh, BetUS. B-Rob, you do too. Uh, listener, trusty listener, so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Enter BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for a special bonus. That's BetUS.com, where the games begin. Um, this might always where, where my the where the games begin segue. Um, when the games do begin, B-Rob, who do you think is going to surprise you the most? Who is your candidate this year to have the breakout season for the Boston Celtics? I think there were a few candidates, right? You got Pritchard, you got Neesmith, you got Romeo maybe. Um, who's your pick? That's a, I think Pritchard's the default, but is that really a surprise at this point? If Pritchard played, because I think, 
he almost is coming off of, I think last year, he was a talk of camp. He backed up immediately in that, you know, first 10, 15 games of the year by literally winning them a couple games on the road there in Indiana uh, with, with his shooting. And so now, now I, I kind of expect him to be more interesting because there's more competition for him coming off the bench there. But Right, I that's what I say, because you were talking about the about Marcus's help, and you said Schroeder, and then you said Richardson was going to be handling the ball a lot. And that was three guys before you get the Pritchard. So you think he'll, he'll get an opportunity? I, I wonder if he's just going to be more off ball. Like, he'll be out there, but I don't expect him to be initiating offense a ton because I think those other guys we just mentioned are probably better at it than him at this point. I know in summer league, he showed, I think, some improvements with being able to distribute, you know, recognition, the pick and roll and, you know, finding guys as opposed to always kind of looking for a shot maybe a little too much at times. But I think given how well he shoots and how well he, with, he is with a catch and shoot, I, I almost would want him off the ball more rather than initiating because I'd rather have him being passed to for the open three than him passing it to like Richardson or, or Smart or whoever for it. So it's like a best case scenario. Maybe he could play like a Seth Curry kind of role, like sure. with, with, with Curry did for Philly right. last year. I like that. I could live with that. I'm not, I'm not even saying that he's that he's Seth Curry even, but like at that kind of role, I think he can. I think he can do that. A guy who can handle the ball if you need to can, you know, can initiate a little bit of offense if he needs to. Again, if he's if he's not the focus, if he's if, if Peyton Pritchard is out there. And it's funny. Every single one of these guys that I think about. There's a difference. There's when he is out there with the two with the Jays, everyone's going to be a lot better yes. when they're out there with Jalen and Jason. It's just you're going to get more open looks. You're going to the, the focus is going to be off of you. You're going to have an opportunity, and that's what the Sox are going to need. They're going to need those guys that can step up and and make other teams pay if they want to focus on the Jays. Um, but yeah, and and Ime was talking about that a little bit. I don't know if that was today or yesterday, but the idea of staggering the minutes for those guys. To make sure that uh, you know one of them is is out there at all times, which I think is important. But even when when only one of them's out there, that's that's going to be a challenge for this team. And I, and and you, when we talked about what could potentially bring them down, you know, it doesn't have to be a Bradley Beal, but it does seem like they are still missing, you know, one talent. Who do you um, think is going to be the third highest scorer on this team? You can go in all different directions here. Yeah, I th- I'm going to say Marcus. Yeah. I think so. I think I think that we're, they'll, they'll, the the Jays will be you know twenty seven and twenty four, right around there. Yep. And I could, and I think the next one I, I I see Marcus like around twelve thirteen. I could see I could see a lot. I could see Pritchard. I could see Neesmith. I could see Al. Um, who knows? I think, even it's, Richardson, I think it's gonna be Richard. I think it's gonna be Richardson. Just based yeah. on he's he's a guy who's been able to do that in his career, put up fourteen, fifteen a game and. He's not going to get starter level minutes here, but I think I think he'll be probably close to 28, 30 a game most nights, assuming that his offense is where they want it to be, assuming that he's playing better than he was in Dallas last year when he was dealing with COVID for a lot of the year. But I just think, in, like you said, in that second unit, when it's only Brown or Tatum out there, that's a guy who can kind of be a little bit of a shot creator and can get into the mid-range. He'll take what teams get him, and I think that's a – a comfort spot for him. And I think that's somewhere and where he's going to try to take advantage of that. Yeah. And again, if, if he can somehow dial it back, as I'm just looking at his career, you know, the last three seasons, right. The points per game go from 16, six 
to 13.7 to 12.1. The three-point percentage goes from 35 to 34 to 33. Um, you know, things are, are it's just all trending down um, from, from, <laughs> from where he was. But he, he also hasn't had an opportunity. To, well, that's not true because he played with for a pr- pretty good uh, Philadelphia team as well. Um, one where that team was a mess. Just... That team was a mess. All I mean, like from a that was the Al team with Embiid. So that like offensively, they seemed like they were a mess in terms of spacing and stuff like that that year. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's that's probably a decent guess. Like, like I said, I think that 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 batch of players, um, probably Marcus and Richardson near the top. And I don't know, like what like what is the what's the ceiling for for Rob Williams points per game? That's probably gonna have a lot to do with the minutes, right? Right. But like. Is he going to average double figures? I'd say he, if he shoots 85% from the field, like he's been close to the last couple of years, he can, he can get to that. But yeah, if he, if he gets over 20 minutes a game, I think he's definitely averaging double digits in points because the lobs are going to be there. I think smart is a better passer than like Kemba, for instance. So that, I mean, those, I think the chemistry there will be pretty strong. And if you, especially if they go with a, a smaller lineup look and have Richardson or, uh, or another just ball handler out there instead of Al. Um, I think that could open up the floor even more for Rob in terms of, you know, those lobs. And again, if Al's hitting, hitting his three pointer, like that's going to open yeah. up the, the floor as well. And Al is obviously a great passer. Yeah. Uh, who would be able to, to, to find Robin in, in those spots. But yeah, I mean, you see last year only played 19 minutes a game, 18, nine, uh, and averaged eight and seven, almost two blocks. He gets that up to 25 minutes a game. That's that 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 could be a, a double double in two blocks a game player right there. Do you one guy we have not brought up yet, and we talked to him yesterday. I'm curious is is Cantor gonna have a regular role in this team on a nightly no. basis? I guess so you would you want him to or no? Or you want him just to go no. you I I think that I'm 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 pretty sure that given given everything that there will be weak stretches at a time. Where 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 Cantor gets some run, I think he's gonna play, but I I, I I would not be shocked by a lot of DMP CDs in his future. Would you? I mean, I just don't. Uh, again, I, I and I guess it depends on the matchup as well, right? right. If, you're, if if you're playing Philadelphia, you might need him a little bit. Not that he's an Embiid stopper, at least he's a body that you can can help uh, tire and beat out a little bit. So there are players situations like that where it might be where it might be beneficial, but generally speaking, I just don't. I don't know. I, everywhere he goes, it's kind of the same, right? Pretty much. And that's, I mean, he's on the veterans minimum deal now for, I think, that reason. Um, I do wonder if they do start the double big with Rob and Al, whether that is a way to get Cantor, you know, 12 minutes a night to say, okay, you can back up Rob and we'll, we'll play Al some at the 5 too, but like we'll give you those minutes. And so to kind of keep you happy, at least in the regular season. And we have seen him have success with like, like a Tatum second unit essentially two years ago. Like it was like kind of a motley crew there of like him and, and Wanamaker. And, you know, I can't even remember who was like Carson Edwards, who was playing on those Ram nights and Tatum would drag that group to like pretty successful lineups. Whereas Cantor would just gobble up all the offensive rebounds from the putbacks. So it is one of those things where he'll have hot and cold stretches. And I don't mind him being out there for that. Cause I think he will eat up minutes and hopefully, you know, keep other guys healthy. But I think you're right. Like big picture wise, you're probably better off going smaller because if you're playing Cantor, that means guys like someone like Langford or Neesmith, one of those guys is probably going to get squeezed out 
of the rotation on those nights. And then that becomes, you know, I think the development of those guys is, is far more important than, you know, keeping Cantor happy. No. Yeah. Keeping Cantor happy is not, I can't imagine that's a, that's a priority. I think he's a nice, warm, big, strong body to have in case of emergency um, over the long, over a long age. Or just resting out on a back-to-back, like if they're going to do that this year, I wonder if they're going to do that. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, that's where that's where you strategically use him uh depend you know, when needed but i just don't think that it's a it's a nightly okay here comes here come the canter minutes i hope we don't have to live with that on a nightly basis i don't really think we will what um did you catch much of dennis Schroeder this media day he had some comments about your your lakers rich saying oh, oh yeah i think I about the fit was not great and he wasn't able to give the lakers everything he could um, and I also think Anthony Davis talked about how they just didn't have chemistry him and like, he couldn't get lobs from him. So it's, I am curious to see how he, he obviously didn't come here with any promises of starting or anything like that. He took a little bit less money than he could have gotten elsewhere to be here. It sounds like he consulted with everyone. He even said he consulted with Sam Presti about, you know, this off season, which is, I wonder how often that happens if you just call up an old GM of your team and be like, hey, where should yeah. I go? Um, but I wonder how, what this will, if this could turn into like a Bobby Portis in Milwaukee situation where he can become not just an integral guy for this year, but like if the team does see some success, maybe, you know, it, it somehow expands over one year, even when, because there just aren't any starting jobs for him elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I would love for for Schroeder to turn six ten or whatever Bobby Portis is. I think that certainly <laughs> helps a, helps a little bit. But yeah, you know, I also can understand someone not, you know, going to going to L.A. and not want wanting to exist in LeBron's orbit. You know, like that's not always the the most pleasant place to be. Um, like, and, and 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 to me, if anything, like Schroeder's comments, they do sound healthy. They do seem yeah. like he's made made some peace with what happened with the money and made like he's like he said in that interview, like he's already made a ton. He's already got his family in a really good situation. I'm sure more than than he ever could have imagined growing up wanting to to be a professional basketball player. So again, the money is not anything. Would you like to have an extra 84 or 94 million guaranteed? I'm sure. Um, but you know, either way, he's got generational wealth, it would seem as long as he's and, so, and that we're not even counting the DS 17 app, right? Like once that one, that starts, <laughs> like, uh, Starts cashing in that he could just retire, but no, it's good. He seems healthy. He seems in a pretty good place about it. And uh, even if the money isn't important, he is playing for a contract, right? Like, like, like this is an audition to get one more really big uh, deal. And I think you know, hopefully, he's at the point in his career where he realizes that the key to doing that, like, he'll have a better chance of getting paid if he is a quality part of a really good team, as opposed to like a guy who is petty and uh focus more on his own personal stuff and ends up you know being a guy that someone could look at and be like you know the Celtics might have been a little bit better that year if Schroeder had just you know sucked it up and and been a positive presence and and all that so we'll see like I you know I've been kind of on the fence with him uh, ever since it was even rumored uh so I'm not I'm not fully on board I'm not ready to say that Schroeder is going to be that positive impact that that maybe he's pretending to be at this moment uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to, to have him prove me wrong. It will be fascinating to see just how well he blends in. Um, he was out on the court with Margaret Smart after practice today, um, just doing a shootout. Um, and so that's what you want to see who, if you're who, who won that. 
I don't know if they were reinforced the the backboards. Yeah, it was a long. I honestly didn't make it to the end of it. It was a long. Um, it was a long case of around the world, and um, I had to do some work, so I didn't catch who. But it, it hopefully that's a that's a competition that gets shorter as the the training camp goes on and camp gets. Or let them get let them get it all out and yeah, sure. Track. Just get <laughs> hopefully it helps with their shot selection there. But um, all right, so we'll put a bow on it there uh, for the first. I guess this is the first official winning plays of the 2021-2022 uh, season, Rich. We're here. Uh, we're going to have the actual games. The future is now. We're going to have actual games to talk about next week. Exciting um, preseason games. See how, you know, Hauser and uh, Juwan Morgan and everyone else kind of steps up at the end of the bench. Even though I bet, I, I wonder how much, I mean, this is preseason for Ime Odoka too. So maybe he'll, he'll want to do a real dry run of his uh, rotations and whatnot out of the gate. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see what it looks like. Exciting stuff. So when when is the first preseason game? Monday night. Monday TD, night. Oh, Monday geez. night. TD Garden. Fresh off Brady versus Belichick. You can just follow that up with a Celtics magic on Monday Beautiful. night to to make a full Boston sports weekend. But in the meantime, hit us up at Winning Place Pod on Twitter. Rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get. Um, you're listening and follow Rich at Rich underscore Levine. I'm at Brian T. Rob. And we will talk to you guys with more preseason thoughts and some player previews coming here on the Winning Plays pod coming next week.